You know what's the purpose of church? Ever wondered? Ever asked the question? Why do we come to church week in, week out? Ever wondered what the purpose of it is? I do, all the time. If I'm honest, I do. I do. Well, what, what was that all about? You know, you might go to church and you listen to a sermon. And you might go, oh, that was great, that was great. And, and it, it, it's, it's what we do with the words that are spoken, isn't it? It's what we do with what someone might say and how God might just touch that particular situation in our lives. Because every single one of us is different, aren't we? We're all different. Every single one of us, we all come from different, we have different situations, have different jobs. We think differently, don't we? Do we think? It's not just me, is it? Come on. <laughs> right. We're all children. That great word, Jennifer. Thank you. Boy, was that God? That word that Jennifer just spoke there, you know, I don't understand tongues, okay, I don't get it. All I do know is that I know when I have to speak in tongues, and uh, and then I also know that if no one brings a word, it might not always be a word of prophecy, it could be a word of instruction. It's not an interpretation of the tongue. It's not an actual interpretation, like you can't translate, it's not a translation of the tongue. Basically what it is, it's a doorway for the Spirit of God to speak into our midst, okay? That's exactly what it is. And each one of us, each one of us, born again, Holy Spirit, believing, filled with God, people have the ability to be used by God to speak. It takes a lot of courage, Jennifer. Well done. It does. It does. Do you know, it takes a lot of courage to speak in tongues. It's not like I'll speak in tongues and everybody will think I'm great. I just want you to hear that. It takes a lot of courage. It takes faith. And each one of us in this room has an ability in faith. And um, my preaching's kind of changed since I've been going to India. It's not like it used to be, really. I used to know what I was going to say and how it would be pretty much patterned, but it never is anymore. And, uh, and if I continue to step out in faith and obey God, how he uses me, then that's how he uses me. Some people will like it, some people won't. I'll be a fr- breath of fresh air to some people, and I'll be a pain in the bottom to others. But I make no uh, apologies for that, because God uses us all differently, okay? And uh, it's taken me a long time to get to where I am to think this way, because, because I've been... I think the way quite often how men think, okay? And women, how people think, you know? And God doesn't think like us. His ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. You do know that, don't you? He thinks differently. We think as men and women think. We think our way. God doesn't always think our way, okay? And so I was uh, kind of... I had this... I had this... uh, Three, three words, actually, that came to me this morning. Three little sentences. One was, lay it down. Okay. One was, lay it down. One was, when we lay things down, we need to pick something up. And the other one was to pick up the message of the cross. That's a definite. Pick up that message of the cross. If you pick nothing else up, pick up the message of the cross, okay? And, and how do you know things? Have you ever wondered, how do we know we're saved? Do you wonder that? How do you know you're saved? Do you actually know you're saved? If somebody came up to you and said, okay, are you saved? Could you say, well, yes, I am saved. And if they said, how do you know you're saved, what would you say? Have you ever wondered that? 
Um, I mean, I have. I think I'd, I think I'd probably struggle, actually. I think, oh, my goodness, what should I say? How do I know I'm saved? Do you know, our faith, okay, unless we exercise our faith, unless we do that and we build what the Bible calls as Ebenezer's, stones of help, i.e., that's where God did this. You know the story, I don't know if you know the story, I'll tell you anyway quickly, of when the Israelites went through the River Jordan. As they went through, God spoke to them and said, take 12 stones from the center of the river. Take 12 stones, one for each tribe, and pile them up on the banking. Yeah, why, why, why are we to do this, God? Why should we do this, Lord? Well, in the future years to come, when your children ask, what's that pile of stones? You'll be able to say, that's where God stopped the river and we walked through. So it's where God's done something significantly in your life, okay? It's when God, it's when you know that you know, that you know and nothing will shake you. Because let's face it, things shake us in life, don't they? It's not just me, is it? Things shake us, don't they? You know, someone really, really close to us, a real loved one might pass away suddenly and we think, oh my goodness, where's God in that? What's going on there? We might, you know, or, or coming to the natural side of it, we might lose our job, we might not have enough money, this and that. These things come to us, don't they? And our faith needs to be strong, needs to be sure, needs to be real. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to my Father except by me. That doesn't mean to say there's a lot of ways to God. I think you need to hear that this morning. There's one way to God. One way to heaven. I don't care what anybody else says. The scriptures quite clearly say there is one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. Not through any other religion. Not through Buddhism. Not through Hinduism. Not through Muslims. There is no other way. There's no other way. Jesus, why do we know that? Because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his life. He gave his life on the cross. No other religion has provided a saviour. No other religion has provided a saviour. You need to hear that this morning. Not one. They've provided a lot of good works and a lot of good ways of how to get there, but no other religion has provided the grace that is found in Jesus Christ to find God. None. Do you understand that? No other religion... You need to get that deep down in your heart. That when you stand, this morning we sung, when I survey the wondrous cross, it surely is wondrous. Why? Because it's the good news of our Heavenly Father that we are saved. We surely are saved, okay? Right. What shall we say this morning? You know about the I know. I have, I'll have to read this. I quite like this. This is a little bit of a joke, okay? We can do jokes, can't we? Of course we can. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. It's this, it's I know, it's called I know. I don't know, you might have heard this before, but I thought it was quite funny. A small town prosecuting lawyer called his first witness to the stand in a trial that a 75-year-old uh, woman was having to witness. And he approached the lady and he said to her, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? She responded, yes, I do know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a young boy. And frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat on your wife, you manipulate people and talk about them behind the backs. You think you're a rising big shot when you haven't the brains to realize you never will amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. The lawyer was stunned. You would be, wouldn't you? Not knowing what else to do, he pointed across the room and he said, Mrs. Williams, do you know the defense attorney? She again replied, why, yes, I do. 
I've known Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster, too. I used to babysit him for his parents, and he, too, has been a real disappointment to me. He's lazy, he's bigoted, and he has a drinking problem. The man can't build a normal relationship with anyone, and his law practice is one of the shoddiest in the entire state. Yes, I know him. (laughs) At this point, the judge wrapped the courtroom to silence. Come here, call both counsellors to the bench. And he says, in a very quiet voice, he said, with menace, if either of you asks her if she knows me, (laughs) you'll be in jail within three minutes. That was funny. That's great. But you know what? We have a Heavenly Father that knows us inside out. He so knows us. He so knows us. He knows us. In Jeremiah, we read, Before you were formed, I knew you. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And he also said, I set you apart and appointed you. You have been appointed. You are set apart. This morning, you are set apart for a work that God wants to fulfill through you. And your problem is you've got an enemy. And the enemy is Satan. You have an enemy. We have an enemy. And he will do his utmost to trip us up in any which way he can. He'll try and teach us a counterfeit gospel. We live in a society that's got full of counterfeits. Full of counterfeits. They make us think that we need all this stuff and all these things. They make us think that if you work really hard and earn lots of money, you will be happy. It's a counterfeit society. Whereas God's is of grace and you don't have to work and it's just there and it's free gift. And all you have to do is say, you know what, Lord, I really don't get this. But would you help me? I don't get it. Do you get it? I don't get it. I really don't get it. It's a mystery to me. The more things that God does in my life and I see, the less I know and the more confused I get. Because it's a complete mystery. Because he doesn't doesn't just do the same thing over and over again. You never know what God's going to do next, do you? Do you walk with a God that you never actually know what God's going to do next? My God, I never know what he's going to do next, what my God's going to do. I don't know what he's going to ask me to say. I don't know what he's going to ask me to do what situation he'll take me into. I just don't know. But what I do know is that my life passes through the cross. My life passes through the cross, and yours will too. Yours will too, right through the cross. But you have a choice. You don't have to go through the cross. You could choose to say, you know what? It's not for me. It's not for me, isn't this? And that is the most difficult and the worst choice you would ever make in your life. If you do not choose Jesus, that is the gravest mistake you will ever make whilst you're on two legs or actually breathing on this earth. It just is. And I want to encourage you this morning to dig deep, past all the doubts, past all the confusion, dig deep. Go past all that and reach into the faith that there is. Even if it's not your faith, the faith of somebody that you know who worships this Jesus and who will tell you about how Jesus is Uh, uh, healed people or rescued people in situations or answered prayer. God answers prayer, right? If I said, put your hand up, if you've ever experienced a genuine answer to prayer, just put your hand up. Ever experienced a genuine answer to prayer? Do you know what? More or less every single one of us in this room. What does that tell you? 
That tells you that our God is alive, that our God loves us, that our God lives with us, and that our God answers prayer and he listens. He listens. God listens to you. God's interested in you. God loves you. And God wants you to know that this morning. He just does. I was, um, my daughter, my daughter Susie bought me a book. I just want to read this because we're thinking of the I know and other stuff, I guess. This book is by Chris uh, Hadfield and he's uh, an astronaut. Probably retired now, actually. But anyway, it's a great book. I'm actually, she bought it to me at Christmas and I'm on page 25. <laughs> I'm not great. I'm not a great reader, but I keep picking it up and read a page. And then I fall asleep. I do it at night when I go to bed. If you ever do that, I just pick my book up and I read a page and that's it. My eyes are aching. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> anyway, it's good. Let me read this. This is great. This is uh, Chris Adfield. He was uh, a Canadian and uh, it was usually the Americans that got chosen to be the astronauts, okay? So it's against all the odds, really, that this guy got through. Anyway, he did get chosen to be an astronaut. He worked really, really hard, and that was his passion from being a small boy. He always wanted to be an astronaut. And it, and it comes to his first time, okay? The very first time when he's in the rocket, and at last he's going to finally go. And I just want to read this. It says this. It says, after the ground crew checks the cockpit one last time and says goodbye, they close the hatch. It's time for our pressure checks now uh, in the cabin. Banter, ebbs, everyone is hyper-focused. This is all about increasing our chances of staying alive. Yet there's still a whiff of make-believe to the exercise because any number of things could still happen. A fault in the wiring, a problem with the fuel tank, to downgrade this to just another elaborate dress rehearsal. He'd already spent many, many years getting to this point, training, many, many years of training. It says, but as every second passes, the odds improve that we're finally going to go to space today. And as we work through huge checklists, reviewing and clearing all caution and all warning alarms, making sure the multiple frequencies used to communicate with launch control and mission control are quite all functional, the vehicle rumbles to life. Systems power up, the engine bells chime for launch. When the auxiliary power units fire up, the rocket's vibration becomes more insistent. In my earpiece, I hear the final checks from the key console positions and my crewmates breathing. Then a heartfelt farewell from the launch director. I go through my checklist a quick hundred times or so to make sure I remember all the critical things that are about to happen and what my role will be and what I'll do if things start to go wrong. And now there are just 30 seconds left. And the rocket stirs like a living thing with a will of its own. And I permit myself to move, move past hoping to actually knowing we are going to lift off. Even if we have to abort the mission after a few minutes in the air, leaving this launch pad is a sure thing. Six seconds to go. The engines start to light and we sway forward as this huge new force bends the vehicle which lurches sideways, then twangs back to vertical. And at that moment, there's an enormous violent, uh, violent vibration and rattle, it feels as though we're being shaken in a huge dog's jaws, then seized by its giant unseen master and hurled straight up into the sky away from earth. It feels like magic, like winning, like a dream. You know, that's what being born again should feel like. Should feel like magic. Should feel like 
all the promises and all the things that you would ever desire come into one fulfillment within. Yes, Lord, please will you come into my life. Please will you fill me with your spirit and I want to live for you because I am a sinner, because I get things wrong. But oh God, I know that you shed your blood on that cross for me. I know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I know that you make a difference. Live in the dream. Live in the dream. But we don't, do we? We just don't, if we're honest. We just don't live the dream. And why don't we live the dream? Because we are bombarded constantly with the attacks of the enemy. And it's all in the scriptures. And it's all in there to guide us and to lead us. We get angry when we shouldn't get angry. Who gets angry? I get angry sometimes and I think, why did I get angry? Why did I let go? We get angry when we shouldn't get angry and then we question ourselves. Well, why did I get angry then? What is wrong with me? We make wrong choices sometimes. We succumb to temptations that we know we shouldn't do. We know we shouldn't do it and yet we still do because the battle within us, for some reason, it overpowers us. And so it's a fight. I don't think I'm just talking from myself. I'm assuming that you experience these same sort of situations in your life as Christians, as Holy Spirit-filled men and women of God. I'm sure you must, because we're all human. And there's not one of us perfect. And the sinfulness will keep coming at us until we die, until this body that we walk and move around in has had enough and packs up and we have to leave it. Because that's what will happen one day. When your body is not able to function correctly anymore, you will leave it. You will leave it. It's as simple as that. Nothing no surer. But when you leave that body, you know the promise of Jesus Christ through that cross is I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting. Imagine the body that you could hardly move around in anyway when, when some people get really quite old and, and you lose your memory. I mean, I'm losing my memory now, but it's going to get worse. I just know it. I mean, old age isn't something to grasp, is it? Let's face it. And I'm sure if people over uh, 65, 70, not you, Carol. <laughs> I'm sure people, as they're getting over 70 years of age, and some even younger, I mean, let's face it, I was 36 and I had a hip replacement. That's not great for me, is it? But praise God that it worked. So it doesn't, you don't have to be 70 when your body's aching and struggling. You can be in pain, can't you? But one day, the body won't fix. It won't fix. Because it's past its sell-by date, okay? Some of us, you know, we're very, very fortunate. And we're living on borrowed time, if we're honest. And time is really quite key. Time is a key thing for you to think about this morning. Time. Uh, I'll keep my eye on the time. I don't know what time we finished. I forgot. And you're not going to believe this, but I haven't really done anything of what I've got written down here yet. Uh, time, okay. I was thinking, right, this was the one, yeah. You know when uh, Jesus, he'd chosen his, t- his disciples, okay? And then he'd gone into the wilderness and he'd been tempted by Satan. He'd overcome those temptations. And he came back and then he came to John the Baptist And John the Baptist was baptizing people in the River Jordan. They thought John the Baptist was Jesus. And he said, no, I'm not Jesus. I am baptizing with water. But one will come who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And he's here now. Jesus was actually there now, but they didn't recognize him. They didn't know he were there. 
And do you know what? Sometimes, particularly sometimes we go through life and Jesus is right there with you, right there in your situation and you don't actually realize it. So first of all, I want you to know, God is saying to you this morning, I am always there. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Some people need to hear that this morning. I'm always there. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Always. Promise. Always. Jesus was true to his word. word, Always. Never leave you. Doesn't matter who you are and what you do. He'll never leave you. He loves you. Okay? So anyway, John the Baptist. So after that, he got baptized. And then the first miracle was Cana in Galilee. All right? And and can I just tell you, if you want, if you really need to, like, give yourself a kick up the bottom and to start reading the scriptures, just read John's gospel. It is full of love and power. John's gospel. Got to read it. You got to read it, okay? Slowly, slowly. I'm really recommending it to you this morning. Open the pages and just read it. We're going to read a little bit of it. Because I'm aware we haven't really read anything yet, have we? But we're going to read this. John's Gospel. Um, if you've got a Bible, you might want to find it. We're going in right at the start of it. John's Gospel. And we'll jump a little bit about... Okay. I'm going to read this from John chapter 1. And it says this. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. That life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. We've been singing about it this morning. We've been singing about this Jesus, the Word of God. Jesus, the bread of life. Taste and see that the Lord is good, we said to the children. We're all children. God spoke, God gave us a word through Jennifer. We're all children. Like the little children were running around playing this morning, how God longs for us to come into his presence as little children. Little children, to enjoy the compassion and the love and the presence of God in our lives. And then, and then let's read down. Then it says, verse 6, There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. Okay? And then in verse 9, it says, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Jesus was in the world, and the world did not recognize him. We are more fortunate and more blessed than any, anyone we could ever imagine. You are as blessed as you will ever be on this earth if you know Jesus Christ. If you know and you've accepted this Jesus into your life. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about believing, it's all about Jesus, it's all about journeying, it's all about being filled with the Spirit, and it's all about spending time with Jesus. And we have to put away this I haven't got time stuff because it's rubbish. And it's a lie from the enemy because we do have time, we have a choice. Each of us has a choice. We have a choice. And I don't think there's one person in this room that could say that they could not find an extra hour in a week that they could spend with Jesus. We do have time. And you know what? I've realized that the more time you spend with him, the closer he gets and the easier it is to overcome the fiery darts of the evil one. It just is. Because he's your shield of faith. He is your shield. He's your helmet of salvation. He's the one. The sword of the Spirit. It's it's that armor that we're reading in Ephesians chapter 6 about being built up and being ready to step out. Why? Because we battle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities and powers of this dark world. We don't see it, do we? We don't see it, do we? And, and my problem is, I'm speaking personally now, my problem is, okay, I know it's there, but I don't see it, and I think I'm going crazy. Okay? Me thinking, me natural man says you're crazy, Peter. My natural man says you're mad. And we can all meet many people that will also underline that for me. Yeah, you're mad, you. What, you believe in all that stuff? Believing in fairy stories, all that rubbish? Why do you believe in all that stuff? Fairy stories, rubbish, nonsense. Nah, God doesn't exist. Just a make-up. But I want to tell you that that's a lie from the devil because Jesus does exist. Jesus does exist. Have you ever wondered why there's that much that says he doesn't exist? Have you ever wondered if he didn't exist, there'd be nothing said about him, would he? Eh? Makes sense, doesn't it? What's to say about something that doesn't exist? Doesn't exist. So he does exist because there's too much to say that he doesn't exist. You get it? It's like, it's true, isn't it? Just thought of that now. It's true. <laughs> Never thought of that before. I have to remember that one. It's true. Let's, let me read this. In chapter 2, it's this. Uh, it says, Jesus changes water in the wi- into wine. And chapter 2, verse 1, On the third day a wedding took place in Canaan and Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, he said, Why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. I love that. I actually spoke to him just this morning when I was reading that. And, uh, and what it was, right, it's okay, Jesus went to the wedding, all right? So we've got to assume, I think they were relatives, they were invited to the wedding. So they've gone to the relations wedding, and it's halfway through the ceremony, and for, of all people, Mary notices, so she must have been pretty close, keeping an eye on things, like mums do, I guess. And uh, she noticed, they're not running out of wine. Oh, no, they're running out of wine. That was tragedy in a Jewish wedding, that was, that was the worst thing that could happen, running out of wine. So she says to Jesus, doesn't she, as I just read, um, Jesus, they're running out of wine. Well, what's, what's he got to do with me? Why is it my problem? My time has not yet come. But Mary didn't like shrink back and think, oh, well, I'll not bother him anymore, did she? Uh, I'll send, uh, we'll send John round to the shop and go and get a few bottles. No, he didn't do nothing like that, did he? Did she? She said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do, okay? Now, you know, as Christians, right, you know how we need to encourage each other? Well, here's actually a classic example of Mary actually encouraging Jesus to do his first miracle in public, as it were. So I wonder if Jesus was saying, oh, no. He knows it's getting, he's like 30 years old now. He knows he's going to the cross, okay? Some of this is like a little bit my thinking and it's not in here, but I'm thinking it through, all right? But within what I'm thinking, there's actually a principle. So imagine, right, Jesus sat there thinking, right, if I do this miracle, this is the launch of my ministry. As soon as my ministry is launched, that cross is going to come screaming at me quick time and I know it's not going to be good and I know it's going to hurt. He knew what the cross held for him. He understood all that. That's the reason why he came. So that was in him. That was in his DNA. Yeah? That was the Father in him. It was the DNA of Jesus was the cross and him shedding his blood. Couldn't get away from that. That was his destiny. So I wonder if 
when Mary said that, Jesus thinking, oh, you know, I, I, my time's not yet come. Because as soon as his time's come, he's on the journey, he's, on, he's, he's gone through the gate, as it were, and he's on that road straight to the cross, and it leads one place, and it leads to the cross. And Mary, in that situation, actually, like I said, she didn't say, oh, well, we'll leave Jesus. She said to the servants, do whatever he says. So then the servants had to come and ask him, so really, he was in a catch-22, what do I do? Oh, clear off, clear off, my time's not coming. My time's not come, straight away. And you could imagine a little nudge from his father. It's all right, son. It's okay. I'm with you. You could imagine a little nudge from his father. Because Jesus needed that intimacy with his father more than perhaps we do. And we need it big time. But to walk a road to a cross where somebody's going to bang some big nails through your hands and crucify you and beat you is a tough road. It's a tough road. And that's what Jesus did for each one of us. That's what Jesus has done for us. And the depth and the power that is in that is phenomenal. It's eternal life. It's wonderful. It just is so wonderful. And if God wants you to get anything else this morning, it's that, listen, it's true. It is true. The cross of Jesus is true. And three days later, he came out, rose again, defeated death. That was the purpose. If Jesus had never defeated death, we could never either. That was the purpose of it. The quality and the depth and the treasure that is in that is just phenomenal. It's beyond. We will never know this side of heaven. We'll never know. And yet it's a free gift to each one of us. I can only tell you that the difference it's made in my life has been remarkable. And I'm struggling. Day by day. You know, and this faith, I struggle, I wrestle with it. Paul wrestled with it. It's good to wrestle with your faith. It's in a good place to be. I like that. It's in a good place to be. It's good to wrestle. It's good to fight. What does it say in, uh, in the New Testament? It talks about the kingdom of God is advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Lay hold of it. Forceful. That means you battle after something. That means you fight. That means you're serious. You know, and, and God isn't interested in a wishy-washy Christianity. He doesn't want lukewarm. He wants us to have the real deal, the real thing, the dream, the astronaut dream, the takeoff, the launch. He wants us to have that. He wants us to have the fullness of all that he can give us. And he wants to do it for you and he wants to do it for me. It's remarkable. 20 to 12, right? I always do this, don't I? Because I want to tell you a story. And I want to tell you a story about India in November. And uh, if I can just find it in John's Gospel further on. It's about when the uh, disciples, when they uh, went out. That's too far. You know when Jesus sent the disciples out? And... uh, He told them to go and preach the gospel, didn't he? Okay. I did have that somewhere, I'm sure. Let me just see. Right. 
Jesus sent his disciples, didn't he? He sent them out, the 72. And he said to them, take, don't take a purse, don't take any money, just go. And go into villages and go into towns and go into houses. And if people welcome you, then share the good news. So what is this good news that Jesus wanted them to share? He wanted to share everything I've just told you this morning, the good news, that if we will believe that Jesus Christ, believe on the one he has sent, that's Jesus. That's all, that's all it says in here. The Father says, the work of God is this, is to believe on the one in whom he has sent. That's Jesus. Believe on Jesus. That's the work of God. That's what it says. Because out of that belief in Jesus flows everything else. Because everything flows through Jesus. Problem with us sometimes is a lot of it flows through us. A lot of it flows through us. And it's got to flow through Jesus. All right? So the disciples came back and they were, they were saying, oh, well, Lord, it was great. You know, it was great. People were being healed. Uh, even the demons subjected to us in your name. They were cast out. Even the demons. And, uh, and I wonder what we make of that sometimes. When I was uh, in India in November, we went to several meetings and there were some, we went to one place and Barbara, Barbara came with us and this place was the Krishna area. And as soon as we drove in, you could feel the oppression and the, the power and the weight of the spirit. Evil. Can't put your, can't, can't tell you, explain it. It was just there. There was an evil presence. It was strange. And we went to the meeting and it was open air and they were all like, uh, you know, um, praising God, and um, we got to share, and we're, and we're preaching, and, and the words just seemed to not get past here, just didn't seem to get past here, do you know what I mean? It was like hitting a brick wall, it was just like nothing getting past, it was weird, it was like a real oppression, and then we prayed, but four people actually came forward and gave their lives to Jesus, which was absolutely awesome, and we went and prayed for them, and then a woman started screaming over there. Like crazy, going crazy. So we went and prayed for her and, and peace came on and she calmed down. And then we, we would pray for everyone. But it, it, it's, it was tough, you know. It was hard work. It's hard going. So we're praying for everyone. We're praying along the line and, uh, and all of a sudden, I left the front line and I went to start praying for these men over there, a group of men over here. And as I'm praying for them, nothing seemed to be actually taking place. You know what I mean? Nothing seemed to be happening. And I came to this guy, and he did Bible is under his arm like that, and he starts going like that, and I'm praying, and you have to keep your eyes open, all right, you don't close your eyes, pray, you've got to watch what's going on, because it's a little bit different, I can't explain it, but it's different, so you're watching all this, starts twitching like this, then all of a sudden, he started going crazy, manifesting, he's screaming, rah, 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 screaming at the top of his voice, shaking, got hold of me like this, shaking, it was shaking me like, it was unbelievable, screaming and shouting in, in his language. I thought, oh my goodness, what's going on? And straight away I knew it's God's just spoke to me and just said, he's a demon. You need to pray. So I started praying and, uh, and you just pray. The blood of Jesus is powerful. I just, you just need to know that. I started laying hands and I just claimed the blood of Jesus over this guy. I claimed the, the blood of Jesus. Lord Jesus, just pour your blood. I claimed the blood of Jesus on this man. He's shouting, I mean, at the top of his voice. And I was shouting at the top of my voice, right? I mean, it was like a wrestling match. It was a fight. It was mad. 
So much so that a pastor from over there came over. He could hear me, and they, they came, and we're all praying. And he's like, going, he's going crazy, and I'll show you what happened. He was like, absolutely going, rawr, 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 like that. Rawr. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, you know. Then all of a sudden, it just like went like that, and he went, and he just dropped like that. And he just dropped like that. And then he kind of like looked. And he's looking around like this. Wow. What, what was that? It was really strange. I'd asked the interpreter after. I said, what was he actually screaming at? And he was saying, you cannot make me leave. I am not leaving this body. You cannot make me leave. Screaming at the top. He said he was demon possessed. And I came away from that thing. And, I, and do you know what the thing, do you know what hit me? I thought, oh my goodness, this is real. I thought, this is real. It absolutely smacked me right between the eyes. This is real. I can tell you no other way. That's exactly what happened. And, uh, and it changed me. Because I came back, I thought, oh, I was all over the place, of course. Because it's real. And this God is real. And you need to know it's real. And the Holy Spirit is so powerful, it's so wonderful. The peace and the love and the joy, and he comes and he answers your prayers, and he comforts you, and he puts his arm around you, and he loves you, and it's just wonderful. Whatever you're going through, Jesus loves you. And when you walk in, when we walk from this earth, when we leave, Jesus is there. We need not be afraid. No fear. Jesus said, I have come to set the captives free, and you will be free indeed. He didn't say, I've come to set the captives free, and then we're going to chain them up again. You're free. Satan wants to chain you up. Satan wants to stop you being an effective Christian. Satan wants to stop you from praying. Satan wants you to have issues and problems with your brother or your sister. Satan wants you to speak against your brother or your sister in a bad way. That is Satan's work. We do his work. But God doesn't want us to. It's real. I cannot tell you any, any more than that. It's real. It actually is real. The Spirit of God lives in you. The power of God is yours. The power that raised Jesus up is in you and is in me. Absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. So really, what do we do with all that? What do we do with all that? Well, you know what? We've got to put our hands on our hearts and we've got to say, you know what, Lord? I just want you to come into my life. Simple as that. You know what, Lord? I just want you to come into my life. Yeah, I am a sinner. Yeah, I get it wrong. Yeah, Lord, your blood is the power that destroys all sin, all shame, Nothing you have ever done do you ever need to be ashamed of anymore. Nothing. Nothing. Because in Jesus Christ it can be washed away. But Satan will keep digging it back up, digging it back up. You have to just say, no, in the name of Jesus, that's gone. Uh, I chose a song to, to sing, and I'm going to ask Daniel if he'd kindly come and, and, and do that, and Catherine as well, if she likes. And it's such love. And I think that, that this 
power of Jesus, this anointing, this Holy Spirit, this message that spoke to you this morning, it will have spoken to each of us differently, okay? Depends where we are. Some of us needs a restoration of the Spirit. We need to be restored. That doesn't mean to say we're not saved. That just means we need restoring. We need to fan into flame the gift that God's put in us. We need to get back our spark. We need to think, yeah, that's why I give my life to Jesus. Yes, that's the difference that Jesus makes in my life. And so maybe as Daniel plays this and the, the, the group, uh, this such love, I'm just going to ask you to maybe close your eyes. You can sing if you want, but you don't need to. Because it's all about the love of Jesus. And he just loves you so much. And if I could encourage any one of you this morning that has just not actually taken that step because of fear, I want to come against that fear now in the name of Jesus and I want to break it. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will release, you will release your spirit into our hearts this morning, oh God. You said we're like children, Father. Would you allow us to be like children and to believe like children, a childlike faith? Father, minister to us in this few moments, I pray. Ask God what you think he's saying to you while we just go through this song. And then then I'm going to ask you to make a decision, a stand for Jesus. I'm going to tell you this is what we're going to do this morning. I'm just going to see, see what God says to you this morning. I really feel God's just said that this is not a message of condemnation. This is not a condemning message. This is a message of life. Choose life. There's no condemnation. Not in Christ. No condemnation. And it might be this morning that you feel... You want to choose life because you need that refreshing life in you. And I'm just going to ask, if that's you this morning, I just want you to stand. Don't be afraid. You're just choosing life. If that's you this morning, stand because we're going to pray over each other. We're just going to pray. And we're just going to say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Choose life.